Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast features edited highlights from our Sunday morning service held on April the 30th, 2023. You can subscribe using the RSS feed detailed on our website. For news and information, and to find out how to join us, please visit www.stjamesleith.org.uk. Good morning, everyone. Hello, and good morning to everyone at home. It's really lovely to see um, Ken and Carol from their new home in Aberdeenshire. Lovely to have you joining us online. And everyone else, of course. So let's take a moment to just take a deep breath in and a deep breath out and settle ourselves from the busyness of getting here this morning to coming here to worship together in community, whether from our homes or in this space. And we'll start with our singing bowl and a few moments quiet as the candle will be lit. With nature in its power and beauty, with rain and wind and sunshine, with ancient rocks and the budding flower, we gather in praise of God. With believers and seekers the whole whole world wide, with people in every land and speakers of every language, we gather in praise of God with angels and saints in heaven, and with all who have worshipped in this place, we gather in praise of God. With Jesus, who promised his presence, and the Spirit, who showers us with her blessings, we gather in praise of God. Here, let heaven and earth embrace. Here, may God's people find home. Amen. And just before we sing the first song, I forgot to introduce myself. I'm Carol, I'm leading your service today and Ian's going to be doing the reflection. And now we're going to sing one more step. Thank you.
And we remain standing for the confession. For the right roads we have avoided traveling, and the kindly words we have refused to share. For the false gods who have received our worship, and the true selves we have starved of love. God, by your grace, forgive us. For all we should be, and all we can amend. God, in your love, renew us. For all you have in store for us, and for all you may ask of us, God, in your love, prepare us. For the life of the world and the love of its people, God, in your love, commit us. Hear and believe these words of Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Come and follow me. Oh, 
Good morning. The first reading is a poem by, called Emmaus by Adrian Scott. Take a long, unhurried walk with a willing other. Keep a measured silence as your forefeet trudge the miles. Honor the sparse and common space that shrewdly shapes between you. Narrate in quietness the chronicle of your living with all its broken light. Do not spare the brittle self in your honestly forming story, nor judge the wounded self that wants to nestle in your arms, or any of the legion of selves that emerge as you summon them. Be gentle with your broken hopes and kind to your successes. With respect, hear the rest of steps of this recollecting journey. Recognize the natural, animate around you life echoing your own. Then breach the generosity of solitude with the welcome of the wanderer. Take turns in pathway sharing, break out your spoken story. Be heedful as a deep barked forest to every breaking twig. Frame each exposure with the intentness of a lens. Stop and face each other with a bold, unwavering gaze. See the walking miles reflected in the pupil of the other. And by embracing what remains, you will have reached Emmaus. Maybe stand for the gospel acclamation. taken from Luke chapter 24 verses 13 to 35. Glory to Christ our Saviour. Now on that same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing Jesus himself came near and went with them but their eyes were kept from recognising him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem him, Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. 
Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us and went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. When it was not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he was going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognised him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the gospel. Good news for all. Praise to you, O Christ. Loving God, may each one of us find a place in this story. And may we be given new eyes and burning hearts. Amen. So, uh, I know some of you died in the wool Anglicans will have noticed that we've uh, switched the readings from last week, the Emmaus Road. Um, we celebrated soul marks last week, and we didn't really use the gospel reading. And for me, it's just too important a story to miss, this wonderful uh, Emmaus story. Because the story is a, sum a summation of the spiritual life or life of faith. A rich story which you could probably preach every single Sunday of the year and find something different in it. And a story that invites the listener to actually participate in it. In fact, it's probably better suited to a Lectio Divina or um, some imaginative storytelling where you ask people to be part of the story and it's a story of transformation, great story of transformation and of death and resurrection. But I think, above all, it's a story of walking alongside and, of, and the power of deep accompaniment and companionship, something that the, in Gaelic, anamkara, which is the idea of a soul friend. And I think uh, in our faith journeys, it's sometimes something that's forgotten uh, we have 
various trellises that our faith is built around. That might be our quiet time, might be our Bible study. But I think actually having a soul friend or different soul friends at different stages in our journey or more than a soul friend who we uh, can confide um, uh, things at a deep level and who will listen to us is really important, which is why I included uh, the poem by Adrian Scott, because it resonates uh, with walks that I took with Adrian uh, and I'm sure he took with other people. It's not just uh, about us. And on those walks, we would have comfortable silences, deep, vulnerable storytelling, and above all, deep listening to one another, all the while of being attentive to the beauty of the countryside and also being gracious to walkers that we met along the way. But they were always walks filled with potential transformation. And I'm aware some people have mobility issues and are not able to walk, so forgive me for using that expression, but it's really a metaphor for our journey, our faith journey. I also have a badge here called uh, We Walk, which comes from a walking group started by a teacher colleague of mine in Sheffield. Um, He used to go to the Peak District regularly, and he would find himself the only person of colour as he was walking in the Peak District. And he found this really um, uh, strange. So he started a walking group for black men um, which just developed and developed and expanded and got bigger. They even, uh, there was a play written about it, um, and it became a vehicle of deep accompaniment, of healing for many, many people involved. So uh, my encouragement to you is if you are able to walk with a friend and um, to make space and time uh, in your life uh, to do that. So in the Emmaus story, we're thrown slap bang into the maelstrom of Easter events, as it says, on the same day that the tomb was found empty. On that same day, we meet two of Jesus' disciples journeying from uh, Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles away. One disciple is named Cleopas, and the other is unnamed, and many scholars uh, suggest that it is actually the wife of Cleopas, um, possibly called Mary, and I'd like to give um, her a name, so we'll call her Mary. Um, And it's significant that Cleopas and Mary are walking from Jerusalem, the center of their faith, as it was for every Jew. Because in one sense, you could say they're actually walking away from their God with shattered hopes and broken dreams and deep disappointment. And I'm sure many of us uh, have had that sense of times when we feel deep disappointment in God and and are walking away. So emotions are raw, confusion reigns, questions are flying as they try and process the events of the past few days. How could this happen? Where is Jesus? What are we going to do now? And again, as I said, many Christians have felt this profound loss and disillusionment. And there may be people here who feel that today. But the wonder of this story is that Jesus walks with us 
even when we may be walking in the wrong direction, away from God. And I think the Emmaus story is really a journeying between two homes, our temporal home, the family, uh, uh, the home, but also a home for something deeper, a deeper belonging, a spiritual home. And here we have Cleopas and Mary walking away from perhaps their spiritual home, their community, their disciples, with their face in a bit of a mess, in a real um, uh, fragmentation. And into this mess, Jesus comes alongside and enters their world, asking the question, what's on your mind? What's going on for you? What are you talking about? And Cleopas answers in surprise, are you the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know what is going on these last few days? And Jesus replies like a a good therapist, what news? (laughs) Giving them the opportunity to tell their story and pour out their grief and loss. And there is an element of sort of tragic comedy in this interchange. And they do so. As they do so, Jesus engages in what I call deep, deep listening as they express their entangled emotions. And I think it's a skill that we all need to really work at and learn, is how to be totally present to another and listen at a deep level. I actually think there's nothing more healing than having someone being present to you, really, really present and listening at a deeper level. As powerful as prayer, that is, uh, or a form of prayer, I would say, um, a really, really powerful thing, using all our senses. So Jesus hears how he was a mighty prophet in deed and word before God and all the people, how he taught and healed, how he was betrayed, flogged, made a spectacle of shame, and how he breathed his last and was laid in a sealed tomb and lastly, how his body has gone missing. And it's interesting, they have all the facts. They kind of get everything right, but they don't grasp the meaning, understandably, but they don't grasp the deeper meaning. And once they share their distress, Jesus challenges them, saying, how foolish you are, and how slow to understand. And I'd like to think, that these words are tinged with lightness, humor, and love. And once on a walk with Adrian, as I was sharing something, I do remember one that he stopped and looked me in the eye, and he went, you daft apus, don't you understand? They were trying to tell you this, not that. And I'd like to think that's the tone of what Jesus is saying. You daft apus, come on, uh, you two, don't you get, get it. So deep accompaniment and soul friendship does involve challenge. And hence the line in the Emmaus poem, stop and face each other with a bold, unwavering gaze. And after these words, how foolish you are and how slow to understand, Jesus explains the events in the context of the scriptures and prophets of old. And later they reflect that as he did so, their hearts were burning within them. 
And they say, were not our hearts burning within us? A beautiful uh, phrase expressing the truth that an encounter with the divine, with the living God, is not just an intellectual understanding, but a deep felt emotional experience, leaving us with new eyes and a burning heart. In Measure for Measure, Shakespeare writes, go to your bosom, knock there, and ask your heart what it does not know. Good advice for the two disciples and for us all. Ask our hearts what it does know. So we need to know things with our minds, which is why Jesus so patiently explains events in the light of Scripture. But the most precious truths are felt on a deep gut and emotional level. But recognizing the risen Christ doesn't come until after Jesus succumbs to their persistent requests to stay and have a meal in their home. Then it is only when Jesus takes, blesses, breaks, and gives the bread, very Eucharistic, that their eyes are truly opened. And it is in the breaking of the bread that they experience the full extent of divine love, love unto death. This is my body broken and given to you. This is my blood shed for you. Then they see the world with new eyes. They see the risen Christ everywhere. They see the risen Christ in the past through the scriptures and the prophets of old. They see the risen Christ in the stranger, in those they meet, and they see the risen Christ in the bread, the ordinary stuff of life. So why does revelation and recognition seem to come so often in scripture in the breaking of the bread? And for me, I think our, our God gravitates towards those who are broken, whose lives are split open, whether by sickness, loss, trauma, and disappointment. And it's in our brokenness when we are often most receptive to receive the divine. And in our story, it is precisely at the moment when the sun is setting on the disciples' hopes and dreams that Jesus comes alongside them on that dusty road, opening up scripture and in the breaking of the bread, revealing himself to them, creating a new foundation of hope, a new way of seeing and a burning in their hearts. And when they had these new eyes and burning in their hearts, they immediately return to Jerusalem, the community of other disciples to say that Christ is alive. They walk back to their other home, their spiritual home, their God and their community, but in a very different place than when they left. And the wonderful part of the Emmaus story is that it happens again and again throughout history. As Jesus continues to travel alongside us, whether we are aware of it or not. Not when walking, uh, and even when walking in the wrong direction. And particularly when our hopes and our dreams are shattered. This affirmation that comes still, that Jesus still walks with us, is grounded in the experience of Christians throughout the centuries. It is also an affirmation of the power of deep companionship of Anamkara, of sharing stories with a trusted other, of holding and listening deeply to the story of another. 
Christ, of course, is our Anamkara, our soul friend. But my hope is that we can find Christ in each other, that we may have find Anamkara, who become Christ for us, and also where we can become Christ for another. Amen. Last Sunday, the act of worship on Radio 4 took the form of a memorial service for Stephen Lawrence, marking the 30th anniversary of his murder. The preacher was retired Archbishop of York, John Sentamoon, and he began by quoting Desmond Tutu, who in the time of apartheid in South Africa said, Hope is believing in spite of the evidence and watching the evidence change. At the moment, I can't see or hear you, only myself and Paul on the screen, though I believe that you are there. So in spite of the fact that we can't physically see Jesus, we believe that he is with us, even without Zoom. When I say, Jesus, draw near to us, would you respond and hear our conversation? Jesus, draw near to us. And hear our conversation. We pray for the people who walk alongside us in our lives, each with their own particular needs. We take time to name them, whether partners, parents, children. friends, whatever their needs, whatever their joys today, Jesus, draw near to us and hear our conversation. Jesus, we all hear of various troubles at home and abroad. We pray especially for the peoples of Sudan in the latest crisis in her long history of conflict. In spite of the evidence, we trust that wars will end, whether in Sudan or Ukraine or any other country we know about. Jesus, draw near to us and hear And while we pray for African nations, we think of Malawi, hit in recent months by a cholera epidemic and then by a cyclone, bringing floods which resulted in the spread of malaria. We give thanks for the work of charities such as Mary's Meals. And in spite of the evidence, we pray that a time will come when their work is no longer necessary, as all children will have enough to eat. Jesus, draw near to us and hear our conversation. Jesus, we pray for our leaders here in Scotland and in Westminster. Draw near to them and guide them as they walk a rocky road at times. We pray for King Charles and Queen Camilla as they prepare to take their vows to serve us and the Commonwealth. May they continue to walk with you as you draw near to them. Jesus, draw near to us and hear our conversation.
Come and walk with us and guide us as you did the disciples, showing us where you are at work in the world. Help us to believe in spite of the evidence and watch the evidence change. Jesus, draw near to us and hear our conversation. Amen. Before I invite you to stand for the peace, I just wanted to say something about the peace because it sometimes feels like it's sort of um, popped in a service, but it's actually, I think, hugely uh, significant. And I was learning uh, the word for peace in the New Testament is actually about healing. Um, and uh, I just thought about uh, having uh, coached football for a while. I've seen a number of particularly young lads getting broken legs, and uh, you look at the x rays and uh, you can see these breaks and, and um, it's like that and extraordinary these surgeons somehow they manage to bring the, the bones together and they start healing and apparently a growth starts healing around and they often become stronger than they were before and I saw as we we say the piece that we might think you know part of it if there's any broken relationships actually that we we mend them and we say peace to one another and they they become stronger than they were before and also that we actually have the capacity to uh, give peace to another or break peace to another through our kind of ability to forgive to let go of resentments and it's a really crucial part I think of community so as we say peace to one another we're really saying the sacred in me the Christ in me is honoring the sacred uh, in you which is uh, namaste which is a very um, Indian way of doing it. So I just wanted to say that because I do think it's an important part of our service and particularly Jonathan's not here today but he kind of shows us the way, doesn't he, of, um, of how to do peace. So may I invite you now to stand and say to you all here in the building and all at home, the peace of Christ be always with you.
May Christ, who walks with us, with wounded feet, walk with us on the road, so that we may walk alongside others. May Christ, who serves with wounded hands, inspire us to stretch out our hands to serve. May Christ, who loves with a wounded heart, open our hearts to love. And the blessing of God, the Creator, Christ our risen Saviour, and the Spirit of life and love be with you all, now and forever.